Hello everyone, this is Dan. Before we get started, it's never good to start with an apology and now here I am doing it for the third week in a row. Because we had some technical problems this week, we've not been able to do the editing work that we usually do on the show, which means two things. Basically, we've had to use the Zoom call audio instead of sprucing up the audio from everybody's mics and therefore it sounds like a Zoom call. And the other thing is I haven't been able to go through and cut out people swearing, so it's another sweary episode. So apologies for that. Um, I hope that doesn't dent your enjoyment too much. Otherwise, I think it's quite good. everyone if this is your first time listening to the show welcome and if you're a returning listener welcome back and thanks for sticking with us this show talks about horror horror in film tv other media other items which we think of as adjacent to horror and sometimes other things from our lives which we'd like to talk about just because that's who we are this week we're going to be having a spoiler filled discussion of the first two paranormal activity films in our miss classic strand because Paranormal Activity is one of those uh, very significant horror movies I, for one, had never seen before. And we have a number of guest hosts on this show. Um, The hosts vary week to week, but I am T.D. Velasquez, although you can call me Dan in Greater Manchester. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by... Stella Gaynor in a very sweaty, miserable, horrible Manchester. Oh dear. Not so bad on my (laughs) side of Manchester. Uh, and also, we're very lucky to be joined by a special guest this week. I'm Ian Winterton in far too sunny Cheshire. <laughs> also with a four-year-old running around. So if you hear four-year-old child um, running around. So if you do hear shouting and screaming, it's not Hunter from Paranormal Activity 2. <laughs> <laughs> it's my son, Elliot. Right. You're shouting and screaming for me. It's because I've got too hot and I finally jumped out the window. <laughs> You guys in your microclimates, I mean, it's really quite dull here and I'm not that far away from either of you. No. No, I've got the windows closed because Buildy McBilderson across the street is at it again. So I've got the windows closed because it's it's too loud to have the windows open today. So I have uh, a towel for when I get too hot. (laughs) Right. Oh, dear. Well, luckily it's quiet around here, but I've just realised I do have the window open. So listeners, you may occasionally hear a car driving past. Sorry about that, it's atmosphere. <laughs> I should be all right. I've got my door open, but we do have a combine harvester. Sometimes comes into the field that we're overlooking. Just <laughs> right. a picture of the paradise I live in. Wow. <laughs> it's Wonderful. not really that nice. It's Winsford. Rock in Cheshire, but, <laughs> but it <laughs> is backing over a field. That has a, I don't think they're doing the combine today. Okay. <laughs> well, for the purposes of this podcast, if the combine harvester comes, we'll just imagine people getting caught in its rotors. Yeah. In, in a kind of children of the corn sort of it way. Does, 
Yeah, it just looked like Jeepers Creepers when it's full. That's what I always think <laughs> of for some reason. Which isn't a very classic, is it? But you can put some sound effects on it. Yeah, that's the one that... And I haven't seen in the tall grass yet. Um, the Stephen King. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Netflix. I haven't seen that. I started one... it. Oh, really? Yeah, and was Very just... Well. Not really. I, I didn't finish it, and I've not gone back to it. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing was happening, yeah. and it wasn't in a good way. <laughs> no. Was, there was no creeping dread or anything in the, in the nothing happening. I was just... You know, when you're watching something and then you suddenly you realise that I'm just really distracted, I'm not paying attention to this at all. I think that's a nice segue into and... paranormal activity. Before we go there, well, yeah, yeah. On in. Um, well, before we go there, we'll just do our, our bits of news. Have you got any bits of news this week, Tower? Um, just two little things. Um, one of them is very, very small. Um, Grimfest in Manchester, the film horror film festival, which is going to be online. They've released this week some really nice artwork. Um, they've got various skulls and monsters crawling out of a, a laptop screen. So that's quite pretty to look yeah. at. And the other thing that I saw, which it, it might not actually be that exciting. It's another slasher film and it's called Clown Face. And that's going All to be right. released straight to DVD. And it is, as it sounds, it's a fella, I assume, um, with a human flesh clown mask on his face running around slashing people, I imagine. But they've okay. gone for the straight to DVD release because obviously nothing's open. But yeah, it looks interesting so, enough. So by, by straight to DVD, you mean, will it be available on streaming? Can you get it from Not that I'm aware Amazon. of. I think you will have to get it from DVD, which is a bit of a oh, shame. Wow. But maybe, maybe it'll go to streaming afterwards. But I think the um, the, the idea of it looks quite nice. And from the trailer, right. or the, the lighting on it looks really good. It looks a bit sort of Dark Knight meets Texas Chainsaw. So Okay. Well, that's it. If you have someone who can afford DVDs, try that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the postal services and the couriers will get the DVDs to you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I've been taking advantage of that. Uh, a couple of bits of news from my end. Uh, Nothing spectacular. I do need to apologise to Kirsty, our lovely co-host who's not here this week. She's on holiday in Scotland and has reported that it's all going swimmingly, possibly literally. So that's <laughs> splendid. But I do need to apologise to her because last week her piece of news was that um, she's getting a piece published in an anthology of essays about Hannibal, the TV series. And I said I'd put a link um, to that in our show notes for last week and I completely forgot to so I'm going to do it this week instead it is available for pre-order so um, I want to make that as easy as possible for the listeners um, that brings me to my other bit of news I, I've been published in a minor way today uh, a big essay I wrote about the woman in black has gone up on the digitalfix.co.uk um, so that, that was on the uh, front page today and uh, I'm really pleased to get that out there, I'll put that, a link in the show notes. It's mainly about the 1989 version of The Woman in Black, which I'm borderline obsessed with. So the other bit of news is that I finally watched the Blu-ray of that. As I've mentioned on this podcast for the last three weeks, I've been very excited about that film coming out on Blu-ray, even though I don't have a Blu-ray player. The, the, the disc arrived on <laughs> Sunday. Uh, no, it must have been Saturday. And... At first I thought, I'll just put it on the shelf and look at it, it'll be nice. But within 24 hours, I couldn't deal with it anymore. I had to buy a Blu-ray player <laughs> just so I could watch it. So I did. And it's fantastic. It's a lovely transfer. 
Um, it's got a, a really nice commentary on it by Mark Gatiss and Kim Newman and Andy Nyman, the creator of Ghost Stories, who was in The Woman in Black in a really minor role because he was like 20 and it was his first TV. He's, he's in two scenes, I think, but he's there on the commentary. It's, just, it's really nice to hear. Um, and the film looks great. I don't know if you've ever seen anything uh, that's been put out on DVD by Network before, but they are like sticklers for detail. And, you know, if it's a TV thing that was on ITV, they will leave in the bit uh, before the ad break that goes like, The Sweeney, end of part two. <laughs> you know, things like that, which is just always really nice to see. They've done that here, but they've also done... Uh, a kind of movie version of The Woman in Black where they've edited those bits out and they've made it into a widescreen ratio so it looks good on your TV, which basically just means that they've zoomed in on the picture slightly, mm -hmm. but because it's mastered in Blu-ray uh, high definition, it looks great even zoomed in, and that's uh, me and my mum watched that version of it last night and it's fantastic, and it's still I think it's my high watermark of ghost story movies so, um so, I've never seen it. You've never seen it, so I, no. I, 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 know, I need to. Need to. Um, I've, I've never seen a Blu-ray either. I've never quite known what exactly <laughs> to do. Right. Well, it was it was new to me. Um, it was, and, and when I set the Blu-ray up, it has all these things about, oh, it wants permissions to access your internet and all this stuff, um, because it, it wants to go on Netflix for you and. I just, I just wanted to play the disc. Just play the disc. <laughs> um, so I basically ignored all that. But it works fine. And I mean, I can't quite see the, the difference between normal definition, standard definition, and high definition. And I, uh, part of me thinks this is all a bit of hype, really. Mm. Um, but at the same I, time, I, was... I, I literally said that when CDs came out. <laughs> I was like, CDs, CDs don't really... CDs. CDs. I was like, literally, <laughs> CDs don't sound better than tapes. Tapes are fine. And it took uh, my friend Tim at uni to, to sit me down and go, no, listen. You know, CDs yeah. are a million times better. So, you know. <laughs> well, I was off Blu-ray. My friend got one and he said he couldn't wait to watch the Blu-ray of Aliens. He got his Blu-ray player, he got his blue, he's got his Blu-ray of Aliens. And he said it made the models look crap. Yeah, like, it was like it was like suddenly it looks like a without disrespect to Jerry Anderson, but it looked like Thunderbirds instead of yeah, a yeah, yeah. Hollywood blockbuster. And he said he said it looked better. <laughs> well, sort of on DVD or VHS. Well, that is the danger when you you get an old thing as well and upscale yeah. it like that. In the one in Black's case, it looks great. There's there, there's mm. nothing. There's no kind of model work in it or effects which would date like that but yeah because mm. basically i think blu-ray is putting the resolution of a cinema screen on your tv without taking into account that when you went to watch the film at the cinema you were sitting 25 feet from the screen uh, you know mm. or, or so whereas people will watch the dvd will see their laptop screens or their tv screens really close up so sometimes it's just too unforgiving i think but um, from the one, you know, from from this one um, experience of Blu-ray, it was it was good and it was worth seeing. So, mm -hmm. all right, folks. Now comes our main discussion of the episode. Um, full disclosure: the first time we tried to record this discussion, there was a massive problem with my internet, so our recording was interrupted. I'm hoping that 
that won't happen again, that it wasn't a sign that there's some kind of demonic <laughs> force connected with these films that affects the internet. Um, I have found some evidence, by the way, guys, I don't know if you're aware, that paranormal activity does seem to have some kind of evil supernatural power which affects Google. Because if you Google Paranormal Activity 6, the results that come up are all for Paranormal Activity 5 or the other way around. So basically, there's so many sequels in this franchise that even Google got bored with <laughs> telling the difference between them. <laughs> it genuinely took me a while to work out how many there were because the Google results were so confusing. Um <laughs> That's okay. reassuring. Well, yeah. So. Oh, the less than our police academy movies. <laughs> That'd be a good well, yeah. quiz question. That, yeah. Well, that'll be a test. Or a Zoom but... quiz question. Let's see what happens when I Google police academy seven. See. I think, I think there were ten police academy movies, but. Oh no! I thought there were only seven. Oh really? You, you're more likely to know than me. I'm... For some reason, I thought there were ten. The first one without a number was Mission to Moscow. No, yes, Mission to Moscow, which is the one that Christopher Lee is in. I, um. didn't, think, <laughs> I didn't think there were any more after that, but maybe there were, but they went straight to DVD. They went out on a high. Yeah. <laughs> he was very proud of his performance in that film, was Christopher Lee. You know, I just, demonstrating just totally his off topic. Ability. I just read a really good quote of his this morning on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Every actor has to do, every actor at some point in their career has to do bad movies. The trick is not to be bad in them. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, fair enough. Which fair is enough. kind of his career. His career more or less <laughs> defines that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Bless him. No, um, loads of actors would dream of having that much work. Well, yeah. Um, so, yeah, anybody yeah. would. Um, so, welcome to the podcast, Ian. You've recorded for us before but the listeners haven't uh, heard you before because you came to talk about Halloween 2018 with us and we haven't released that episode yet so All that's right. in the archives so this is your first live appearance on the podcast welcome to the show hello we hope so anyway if oh, yeah. yes <laughs> um, <laughs> Ian's a great writer and screenwriting tutor and um also, film critic with it. many years standing. Yeah, yeah. Longer than any other job since I've, wow. I've reviewed my first film at university, and I reviewed my latest review was the other day. <laughs> wow! <laughs> what was your first film that you reviewed? Do you know what? I cannot. I think it might have been Reservoir Dogs. Oh. Wow! Ninety-two. Wow! Right? Yeah, yeah. And then you know, and I can remember that. I can't remember what I reviewed the other day <laughs> off the top of my head. That suggests it wasn't very good. It's probably more like to be something for a streaming service and not actually a film. Well, yes, anyway, at the moment. Because yeah, I, yeah. I write a lot for vodzilla.co uh, and a lot of that is TV because it's streaming these days. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Which is the growth market in everything. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, Including it's what we're all coming to rely on. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. nice one, Father. Well, if you have any um, links to any current stuff that I can put in the show notes for this episode, please send them my way. I'll, I'll add do. them. Um, and uh, no doubt you have tons of creative uh, writing projects going on, which you may or may not be able to talk about for production purposes. 
we I can do if okay. you want to talk about them. But uh, well, I've just been talking to I've just been talking to Ramsey Campbell this very morning, actually. Um, oh, that's wonderful, uh, Ramsey Campbell, the the noted horror novelist. Because we've 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 got an option to make an audio drama um, is, uh, of his eighties classic horror, The Hungry Moon, and because of COVID nineteen, um, he kindly extended the option. And now he's kindly extended it again <laughs> because, oh, bless him. because it was starting to become a rush to get it done in the next few months. Um, sure. And now we've got till July. But the news we were going to announce is Louise Jameson of Doctor Who fame is definitely on board. Oh, wow. Um, but she's still definitely on board. It's just when we're going to record it. It's probably in 2021 now. Right. So we won't be announcing it with a great fanfare um, till later on. But, oh, that's but it's still an official thing I can still talk about, so that's good. Oh, that's brilliant! Well, <laughs> so it gives me longer in between childcare um, to uh, get the other episodes written. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. So, oh, well, I hope you'll be able to come back on the show and talk about that. I um, think I, well, we'll, yeah. we'll get Ramsey on as well. Oh, that'll be that'll be splendid. Mm. That would be a delight. Oh, marvelous! He's a well, good so is Ramsey. <laughs> he's a lovely chap. So. Nice one. Well then, welcome to the show, Ian. And I think it's time we got talking about paranormal activity. Now, this falls under the rubric of our missed classics strand. Um, films that one or more of us have just never seen for some reason, but which are quite a significant in the history of horror. I'm the one who hasn't seen paranormal activity, or rather I, I hadn't seen it. Obviously, I've watched it now. Otherwise, <laughs> this podcast will be a bit pointless. Um <laughs> Uh, it was made in 2009, uh, sorry, it was released in 2009, but based on a, an expanded version of a film that was originally released in 2007, or produced then, um, and it's basically a, a very small-scale ghost story about a couple in San Diego who become convinced that there's some kind of supernatural entity in their house, and the... Uh, the male partner, whose name is Mika, decides that he needs to get evidence of the haunting on camera. So he buys a new camera, one new enormous camera, which was a surprise to me, um, only, you know, just over a decade ago. But he buys one big massive camera and sets it up and goes about recording everything in the house possible so that they can capture the haunting on camera. And... And therefore, the film justifies its kind of found footage approach because you don't see anything in the film except what is captured by Mika's camera. And I've never seen it for one or two reasons. Um, possibly because it seemed a, a little cheap to me that the idea was like, basically, let's do the Blair Witch Project again, but now it's just in a house. So like an even more small-scale version of the Blair Witch Project, mm. which struck me as... Um, not very exciting but also some people were genuinely it seems hugely frightened of it and i was a little bit scared to watch it because even though i love oh. these kind of ghost stories they do scare me so much and i've got to be <laughs> steeled for them so it was something that i was getting around to and it's just dragged on rather a long time um <laughs> stella what's your story with this film had you seen it before yeah i had so i think that i requested that we do paranormal activity as part of the missed classics um, thread because um, in 2010 was the year that I first taught the horror module 
for Manchester Met. And at the start of the module, we did a thing where we asked all the students to write down, uh, number one, what was their favourite horror movie? And number two, what was their scariest horror movie? Because they're not necessarily always the same thing. And so this is in 2010, and near enough, all of the students in the group, and it would have been about 60 of them, nearly all of them put Paranormal Activity down as their scariest movie. And I was like, okay, and I'd not seen it at the time. So I went and duly watched it, and I thought it was, um, well, it was scary enough. I think it did the job. And I think there was elements of it that I found to be, or rather it did a very good job of scaring students, scaring that bunch of people by not doing very much. And I thought that was clever enough. So the first thing that you see in the film that's, that's definitely causes a jump or a <gasps> moment is the bedroom door moves. When, she, yeah. when um, Micah's, Mika is filming at night and the bedroom door moves and apparently everybody in the cinema, you know, shut themselves at that stage. And it's like, okay, so all you've done is move a door and it's frightened everyone. That's yeah. really good. Um, in terms of the formulaicness of it, I guess, yes, it is formulaic and it is repetitive. But then, you know, horror is, all slashes are the same, all um, someone's possessed and you have to have an exorcism, the films, they're all the same. So I think it's formulaicness and repetitiveness isn't necessarily a problem. And also, I did want to have a discussion and also a point to why I think it's a, could come under the idea of missed classics is that I think it does get sidelined by critics and writers and scholars and academics and all those good people because it's a found footage. So found footage is like the worst of horror and I think it's unfairly maligned and I think it'd be interesting to talk about it. And if any of our listeners have not seen it, should definitely go and see it because it was an important enough movie for all those young people in 2010 to go, that's the scariest movie ever. I thought it was great. And it's still sticking in people's minds now. And it's still yeah. doing well on, you know, over on Netflix and whatnot. And so, do you yeah. find with your students now, because my students now still mention, still yeah. mention it, that yeah. and, and then all the, and then Insidious because of it. And yeah. not necessarily many of the sequels, mm -hmm. but but one yeah. and two and three, they tend to have all seen yeah. you know, in all of their teenage lives. Yeah, you know, so films that you see in your formative years stick with you, don't they? Which we've talked about this before when, you know, Scream's the one for me that's always stuck with me. But, I, you know, when I was supervising dissertations for the academic year that's just, just finished, um, mm. there was at least two of them, including Paranormal Activity, still, still wanting to write about it, still wanting to research around it. So it is... I think it is yeah. quite an important point in in contemporary contemporary horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd agree. I'll pick you up on a couple of points there, yeah. Stella. So, firstly, yeah, I think a word which I'd use to describe this film is minimalist. It's like mm. it does the absolute minimum it can, um, and therefore, to pick you up on your other point where you said, in case people have not seen it, if you haven't seen it, don't listen to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> Because we are going to have to talk about everything that happens in the film. Yeah. Because really, very little does happen. And therefore, mm -hmm. if you avoided all the plot spoilers, you'd have <laughs> nothing left. And I think yeah. the same probably applies to Paranormal Activity 2, which we're going yeah. to go on to as yeah, well. We, couldn't, we could not possibly talk about it tripping over, trying not to spoil it. So <laughs> no. stop listening no. now. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think it's fair enough to, to spoil it. That's fine, because... Yeah, yeah, the, the, the title of the film is in the episode, and people can go away. Well, and watch it. I, and I, I, I say, 
it's yeah, on the I, BBC iPlayer, guys. You know, it's yeah. available for free. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's on Amazon Prime at the moment, if you remember. Yeah, so yeah. it's easy to get to. Yeah, I, I also think even if you had a blow-by-blow account, it's it's about the atmosphere anyway. Yeah. Knowing yeah. it'd be impossible to say this store is going to creak at that point. Mm. You're still you're looking for a creaking door, whether you know you're looking for a creaking door or not. Yeah. That's, yeah. If you get into the atmosphere of the film, that's how it works anyway. So it'll still make you jump, even though you know it's coming. Absolutely. It'll make me jump and have, on a rewatch. Well, it's yeah, all same. about the context. I jumped at the same points as well. Yeah. yeah. Come on, you know what's coming. <laughs> no, I, th- yeah, I think yeah. it's all about the context. You can tell me mm. that, I mean, I think I knew that, oh, there's a scary bit where nothing happens except a door moves by itself. Mm-hmm. And obviously mm. that's not frightening when someone tells you and you're expecting yeah. it. But at the same time, it, the, the, the film puts you in a, a situation where you're kind of primed to respond mm. to that. I mean, you know what I thought was... One of the most unsettling details in the film was that, I mean, a great deal of the movie is uh, when Mika sets up his camera in the corner of their bedroom and they're just sleeping in the bed. Yeah. And every single night, I think they, they go to sleep with the door open. I know. Just, and so you're just looking at this open doorway with just yeah. darkness beyond it. And, <laughs> I, uh, and my, I just my, found... my, my wife will not let us have an open door. Right. Like... Yeah, I, I think you she, she can't watch horror film, films because she can't in real life have an open door in the bedroom <laughs> while we're asleep. This film is really not for her to... then, is it? No, no, no. no this, this is something I watch by myself. <laughs> so it's <laughs> the end of my life. But but I, but I was I was going to say the whole thing about it's weird because I don't think we can talk about this film either without talking about Blair Witch Project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's one of those films. If we're talking about the generation that grew up on paranormal activity they don't talk about Blair Witch very often in my experience mm. um, okay they know what it is but they're not bothered by it whereas I, f- I think Blair Witch Project is far scarier um, yeah my, well we did Blair list Witch it Project a few haunt, weeks ago haunted me for weeks and I've, when I rewatched it it haunted me again um, so I think a sort of compare and contrast would be yeah this, well the, the film wouldn't I mean, exist if it wasn't for Blair Witch Project no, like, I think it's yeah, I fair. I, th- I think, like I say, it, it is a deliberately an even more lo-fi version of Blair Witch. Yeah. And in a way, I, I feel a bit peevish towards them that they got away with that. It's like, well, I could have done that. <laughs> I, you know, I could have just done the Blair Witch Project, but in my house. I know. Um, but, um, so, Ian, tell us more about your reactions to it, both when you initially saw it and, and re-watching it for this podcast. I initially saw it in a screening room in in Soho um, whenever it came out um, and it's weird with horror films I often think they're like comedy if you're in a room that isn't being funny then a comedy can die on its ass which is why yeah. they always get critics drunk they always have free loads of free beer at, um, and wine at screenings for for comedies um, and and with with horror movies, sometimes I sometimes think it works both ways. And in this case, I think it worked in the benefit of the movie because the atmosphere in there was was critics were we, we hate watching we hate watching films with the general public. We call them the talkers. That's like a <laughs> did you go and watch a movie? Oh, I didn't catch it at a screening. I had to go and watch it with the talkers, meaning you had to pay the ticket. And uh, 
go and see it down the multiplex. Um, whereas if you're sitting in a room full of really serious critics who are all, you mustn't talk or utter a breath, you mustn't even breathe loudly because we're watching a movie, even if it's Snow Dogs or, or I don't know, whatever crap you've been sent to watch. Um, and so for a movie like Paranormal Activity, it really worked well, which is why I think it got, it got quite good reviews because yeah. people generally like, oh, I imagine if I was a normal person, I'd be scared of this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I should write that. Um, and, and I think that translated to the audiences um, being scared as well, if you got the right atmosphere in the cinema. Mm. Um, but I also, I also wonder if a lot of the success of this is that it's a DVD thing you watch at home and is it scarier either in a really well-behaved cinema audience mm -hmm. or watching it by yourself where you, where it's just you and the mm -hmm. hairs on the back of your neck. Yeah. Which is how a lot of us watch movies now. Um, yeah. yeah. It's this, I, I remember The Exorcist is one of my favorite films ever and probably the most scary film for me. So, so it's in your students list. It's, it's, it's both for me and that's right. why I like it. If I watch a, if a movie, if somebody says a movie's scary, I'm putting that movie on. Um, because there's nothing, the fact it's actually going to scare me would be a miracle. Um, so I, I find The Exorcist really scary and I still do. Um, and then I remember going to see it when it was re-released re at the cinema and it was one of the most depressing experiences of my life because people were just laughing their heads off and throwing popcorn about because yeah. they swear and there's PG, PG's pea soup coming out of their mouth and they just saw it for what it was. Mm -hmm. I, not for what it was, but they saw it as the most stupid movie they'd ever seen, and they'd seen the, they'd seen the scary movies before they'd seen it, and uh, yeah. and so yeah, no, I remember that time in scary thing ever, you know. Hmm. Just, yeah, I just, remember uh, that time in '98 very clearly. That was quite depressing. Mm. Yeah, was it? Um, God, was it '98? It was. Yeah, the 25th <laughs> anniversary. I'm still scarred by uh, <laughs> by uh, how how depressing that was. But it's just well, for me. That's just a, one of the best best chillers ever made. Um, mm. And and Blair Witch had a similar kind of thing. I watched it at a cinema quite empty, and it was really effective. Yeah. And then other people went to see it, and they just came out going, "That was so funny!" And everyone, we had such a laugh. And um, did you think it was scary? Because I didn't. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> so so I think it's maybe subjective as well. Watching yeah. a scary movie. Um, I think a lot of it is to do with context. I can't really imagine what people find hilarious about the Blair Witch Project. I can well, imagine people be, just being just bored them, by it. I think. I think they were just joking and mm. sitting there and throwing stuff at each other and laughing and going, what's going on now then? Making quips over the top of it. Well, and, I, and, and, and if you start laughing at her, go, with a close-up of her nose, then, yeah. then you, you've lo you, you're lost, aren't you? As, a, as an audience member to a scary movie. Oh, uh, well, but, that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, I, I, must, I must say, jumping ahead, there were moments I wasn't sure if you were supposed to laugh in Paranormal Activity 2, especially. Oh, right, okay. I, and I was a bit like, are they really making a big thing of that, sh of that pool cleaner? <laughs> <laughs> I, like oh, yeah. I did laugh quite a lot, but then he was... Then it was kind of a joke he was playing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That good dad joke, film. that wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's so kind when of, you, yeah, sorry. So when you rewatched um, 
Paranormal Activity one this time, Ian? Did did your opinion change? I think it. I think it was a. Uh, it's weird because at the time I just thought, well, well done. It's an effective chiller. I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't go. I didn't think it was the best thing I'd ever seen when I first watched it. I just thought it was an effective chiller, and probably gave it four stars. Um, but now I'd say it's. I, I do think it's much more average with the passing of time. Right, um, okay. I don't think it, I think, I mean, I'm not saying I hate it, and I'm saying it does scare me, but of all the movies that have ever come out, it's not, it's not, um, it's like very little happens. I mean, to the point of it being minimalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So little happens, and I wonder I, if, I wonder if, I don't know. Like, like I, I think it was interesting. Barely any foreshadowing. It's literally just watching people doing stuff for real. Yeah, I think that's there's a lot true. to talk about with that. Like we watched, like you watched Host last week. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. You watch Host. That did an hour, and it wasn't just people doing nothing. No, it did something. It was here was yeah. a seance straight away. You're going, ooh, spooky. You know, it's coming. A far superior film to Paranormal Activity. Well, um, it's. It's interesting that, that, that you mentioned that. That's a that's a classic. Yes, I, I hope so. I, I yeah, feel absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Already, that's you one can of the best that. horror. That's the best chiller I've seen in such a long time. Yeah. But it's interesting that you mentioned host. Obviously, I think one of the reasons that we chose to do paranormal activity now was yeah. that we were in the mood for it following host. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And also because um, the director of host, Rob Selvage, when we spoke to him. I, do, I can't remember, I think it was in the spoiler bit of our conversation, which we haven't released on the podcast yet. Mm-hmm. But he told us that one of his favourite scary movies was Paranormal Activity 3. And mm-hmm. that was what he actually sat his cast down in front of mm. and said, this is what we're going for. Yeah, um, which, I which I haven't seen. I haven't seen so, it. No, no, but no. it does look interesting um, because it's a it's a prequel. Yeah. So these two oh, that we have seen. Is it, set, is it set using older technology? Yes, it's yeah. set in the eighties. Right. I think, yeah. Or the early nineties. So. So um, kind of Blair Witch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, apparently quite well done, and it's from the directors yeah. who made that movie Catfish. Right. Um. So you know, actual documentarians have put it together. So it sounds like it comes from yeah. some quite interesting angles. For my part, then, having seen the film for the first time ever, um, two things. Another word I would apply to it is quaint. Oddly, it struck me as quite quaint in how simple it was, um, mm. how not elaborate it was. Um, but also it did frighten me. It worked perfectly well. I, I was really into it and it genuinely chilled me a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, it's only really got two characters. Um, I cared for them both. I was engaged by them. The, the other major character is this psychic that they go to for help halfway okay. through. And he basically yeah. just comes in and goes, oh, sorry, I can't help you. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I've got to go. I've got to go. <laughs> got to go. He just yeah. gets off. <laughs> and actually, that was a really good device for just increasing the tension. I yeah. thought. Um, I, I really like that. It, um, was, it was, but it also felt it felt a little bit pointless. Maybe I'm just such a structure whore, but okay. To have to to have him come in again and then him have literally no effect on the narrative made well, me feel a bit like 
well that's if that turns out to have something else going on then that's quite clever but no just i think it was just it just, was just, just katie what needing some help because she was getting no help from mika yeah. who i think shows himself to repeatedly just be a crap boyfriend you won't listen to her at all and she keeps asking him to stop and asking him to stop and he continues and continues and continues and i just think he's a bit of a wrong one um right but because you mentioned before insidious and all that sort of stuff that came after i think paranormal activity at the time for sort of larger horror audiences was that it was i think it was quite refreshing so mm. paranormal activities coming out in what 2009 was it yeah um you know, before that, or you, you've had the glut of all the glut of zombie movies. You've had all the saw films. Torch porn's been and gone. So I think Paranormal Activity, in its in its minimalism, and it's just we're just going to tell a good old fashioned ghost story while using the conceit of fan footage. I think was just quite refreshing to the yeah. horror crowd because you know we'd we'd not been haunted for a while. We'd we'd having people you know chopped up and tortured. And I think, and while I love all those films as well. I think it was just a, a nice, refreshing change. And I think it set off, and it clearly set off a cycle of hauntings that have just got more and more money thrown at them now. So, you know, the, the budgets yeah. of the Insidious movies just went up and up and up. Um, and the Conjuring and, and, the conjuring and, and Annabelle also, and all that stuff. The success of Paranormal Activity is what created Blumhouse, wasn't it? Or yeah, Bloomhouse. exactly. So is it Blumhouse Bloom, or Blumhouse? I'm never sure. I think it, I would say Blumhouse. I'd say Blumhouse. Uh, but I don't know. Um, yeah, but I think that's know, one of the reasons why it works as a as a, as a classic because it, it I think it definitely marks a point of well you know we've got one sort of horror cycle that's come to an end I think it was starting off the new not in the mainstream horror cycle because you know obviously there's horror going on in other places as well but in the mainstream cinemas at your Odeons and whatnot it was it was marking a, a new cycle of horror I think and you know whether it was too minimalist for you or you know the structure wasn't great i think it's yeah a very important sort of cornerstone or touching point i guess if you're looking at horror as a looking at it historically with what was going on then what was going on then um yeah i think its use of the found footage elements i think it did it did two things that i thought was really worked as found footage so i like the obvious Really, really obvious and slightly cheesy title card at the beginning. Paramount Pictures would like to thank the family yes. of blah, 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 for the yeah. footage. I, I always love a good based on true events card. Yeah, like, um, yeah. And, like the one at the start of Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, and then Cloverfield as well. Yeah. I, I love the title cards. These, this footage was found. Yeah. So I do enjoy that. But I think um, it stepped away from, we're just going to have all this at night when it's scary. There are sequences mm. in the day, which is, yeah. you know, is an interesting thing to do because if you know the activity is getting the paranormal activity in fact is getting more and more intense then it starts happening in the daytime and they do this in the second one as well they bring oh. it down to the daytime which is i think is great because you, you just can't hide secrets there you've got to have it all out and i think that works and it still can still have the tension and the jumpiness and you don't have to just have you know like i said a door moving in the dark they, they do experiment because blair witch stuff blair witch is great but it's it's, it's scary because you can't see anything and the camera's shaking all the time and mm. moving black and white to colour and I think a lot of the Blair Witch stuff is hidden in the shakiness whereas Paranormal Activity 1 and 2 because you've got a lot of static shots mm. you have to look for what you should be looking at and your eye has yeah. to move all around the screen The use of negative space yeah. in, in the frame and, and wide it's, shots yeah. Yeah. It's just really, it, I, I think it's really well done and yeah 
Oh, yeah. Second, come yeah. with me on this. <laughs> no, the second one has. Sorry, Ian, you go first. We're talking over each other. So yeah, yeah. I'm just, um, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's. I guess it's almost a mirror image in film grammar of the shaky camera confusion yeah. yeah. of, and that sort of came out of the. We got used to seeing people running around with camcorders, yeah. yeah, and it being <laughs> shaky. Um, long time before mobile phones, and then we got used to static shots of. Yeah. Yeah. of houses from webcam era coming yeah. in. Didn't and people also, get a bit queasy watching Blair Witch? Wasn't that reported? I think some so, people yeah. Were like, yeah, it oh, was. That people was, that was hard to yeah. watch, yeah. But, but, but also, it, at the end of the 2000s, you'd also come through the kind of action movie start, style period where everything looked like the Bourne identity. So shaky <laughs> camera was how you filmed action sequences. Yeah. yeah. So it, it really is... just got so boring. Yeah. So, whip pan so, every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> to just have a static shot for ages is su such a refreshing change. Yeah. I think the one, one of the wonderful yeah. things they do in this film is the time-lapse moments where yeah. the time code mm. just speeds up and you see that there's nothing happening in the room yeah. for so long. Or some when, spooky happens. Yeah, like, when, she, when she stands over the bed, yeah, that's yeah. you realise it's been an hour and a half. Yeah, and she's not me. That's, that's like fantastic. Well, that's quite clever because it's probably ten minutes and then they... Yeah, it's just... Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's what, <laughs> what you're going to stand do. there for an hour and a half. You can't possibly think of another way we can achieve this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I, my my big theory on it is is our ways of our ways of watching. I I remember watching the Truman Show. Oh, I love that film. Love it. I remember watching it and when it came out and thinking, oh, it's quite good. This and then when there's a bit where again, I just like to watch him sleep. I remember thinking, well, yeah, that's a bit far-fetched. And literally four, four years later, we, I was, we were at a party in our house and we had Big Brother on in the corner in the laptop. Like they were sleeping and we were... Right. The, oh, when we landed, I just went, oh, God, this is like the Truman Show, isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, and so that became real. And then that period of reality TV, how much of it was just, here's the overview of the Big Brother house. And you got used to looking at screens with very little happening in them. Mm. Yeah. And so people people did, we got used to watching stuff without cuts and without edits, um, you know, with long shots and it being very real. So there's sort of, what to me, I think now we've come through the other side, seems a little bit overly boring, overly real. I think that's the way it's aged, mm. is at the time, Seeing a movie that doesn't bother foreshadowing literally just shows some people gabbling on some nonsense in their real life for 20 bloody minutes. <laughs> um, just you could see why it got rejected by Sundance and people because they probably gave it 20 minutes when nothing's happened. Yeah, <laughs> well, the other thing is when it was initially premiered in 2007 at those festivals, yeah, um, it went down well enough that it was picked up by Paramount, um, and you know, later released, but apparently Steven Spielberg, who did say that it was the most frightening film he'd ever seen, I think. Oh, wow. Um, he suggested, but it needs a new ending. So the the bit right at the end where you do have a stunt and a, a shock effect, yeah. yeah, that wasn't on it before. I wonder what its original ending looked like and yeah. how satisfying was that as a movie? It's... Because I do think it, because you've seen nothing happen for an hour and a half, you know, that ending, as minimal as it is, does have some power. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, 
some of the endings, some of the other endings look, look they've got about four different endings for different territories, haven't they? And one of them yeah. is Katie in full Reagan from the Exorcist mode with sharp teeth. Oh, right. Yeah. Scene, which looks kind of spooky. Okay. But they, yeah. they went, the one, the version we, which is the one we watched on BBC, is that the sort of generally acceptable? Well, the one I saw um, was... What's the Kelvin universe, and which is the... I, I <laughs> assume that... Well, the, I actually checked the ending of the, the one on Prime as well, and they're both the same. So yeah. It's, it's the ending where Mika flies th from the door and hits he the camera. He gets thrown, doesn't he? And then... Yeah. Um, that delay between Katie's amazing scream, so she gets up and she goes downstairs and she screams, it's one of the best screams ever. Mike, yeah. Micah leaps out of bed, he runs downstairs. There's a delay before he gets chucked at the camera mm -hmm. and it's just long enough for you to calm down a bit. And yeah, then he yeah. hits the camera and I watched yeah. it this time, like you did on a laptop headphones on because my husband was doing something else in the same room and he wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> and the delay and waiting and I knew he was going to get thrown and because it was so loud in my earphones I did sort of jump and scrabble at the back of the sofa a little bit and it's like yeah, ah, yeah. That's, that's, the delay is just long enough for you to be like oh it's over and I think it's really, I think really the headphones on as well something else that's really good about it is very simple again it's just it's audio the rumble yeah. it, it makes it yeah it makes it basically it might be static but it's not silent yeah no to make you more spooky it's probably got some CIA audio pulses coming in your ear. Crumbling right. stuff. Yeah, it's that and low rumble. Settled. If it was mm. just still without audio, would it be as scary? Definitely not. No, to start looking because mm. it does the growing dread noise yeah. bits. Well, this which, was the which, case. Which also audio cues. Yeah, us. I mean, that was the case with Host as well. I commented on the quality of the sound design of that. And I think with any found footage movie, mm. Yeah, you know the sound design is crucial because it's the only part of the movie where you can actually be creative as a filmmaker. You can make creatively motivated cuts and mm. um, you know modulations, whereas you know everything visual has to appear unmediated. But you can actually adjust elements of the audio, and they do do things that um, at the end of Paranormal Activity two which is set at the same time or the day after the end of Paranormal Activity 1, Katie reappears, doesn't she, and she's possessed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But because of the way they're using huge wide shots, there's a bit where she is just in the background at some distance, and I actually didn't notice that she was there. Where, which bit's there? Just, you know... When she's in... When she's in he's... Before she snaps his neck. Yes. Yeah. That's still listening. We did warn you. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. tough now. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so I mean, you see, you see her over in the far background, don't you? Yeah. And ah, the thing right. is, the because because it was such a wide long shot, I didn't actually notice her there. But mm. I heard the music, or rather the the kind of rumble tone. Mm. Yeah. So I so I, I that made me tense. I just thought, right, something happening. And then I rewound it because the next bit it cuts back and she's come a lot closer. And I was just like, where the hell has she come from? Was that <laughs> yeah. set up? So I had to rewind it. But the point right, yeah. is made that the, the sound design still did the job of kind of yeah. raising the tension at the same yeah. time without doing much notable. I mean, it just sounds like someone switched the dehumidifier on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. enough. 
Yeah. And you get that same rumble at the end of both movies because there's a delay before the credits roll as well. Mm-hmm. So I think right, it's yeah, time yeah. enough for you for the film to end, let's say you're in the cinema, for the film to end and for it to stick with the conceit of this is found footage so there isn't a crew. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 paramount of like to thank whoever, Micah and family. So there's a yeah, long yeah. delay for the credits roll just with that rumbling sound, by which point people have got off and left the cinema and then the credits go. I think, yeah, you know, yeah. they're still leaning yeah. into this is, yeah. this now, is the sound design was clever. I bet they had some sort of thing where we go, like you say, it needs to sort of be based on urban domestic sounds, but yeah. also be creepy. And I think that's exactly right. It sounds like it could be the aircon kicking in or mm-hmm. just pipes or, you know, those general noises yeah. coming from the, the tumble dryers on in the cellar. But <laughs> yeah. we don't think any of that, but also we subconsciously don't go, where do the cellos come from? Or anything. Yeah, exactly. You know, if, got, if they've they got did, violins coming in. If they did use musical scores, that would obviously break it. Yeah. So they, yeah. they, they can't yeah, they break use, that uh, reality. But well, they they use, do. obviously, they, it's music of a kind. It's uh, but electronic. It's scoring. Abstract yeah. music. Yeah. 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 But it doesn't register with your brain as artificial in the same way. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. break which is, really, yeah. which is really clever as well. Yeah. And no, it's, uh, it'd be one of those ones I'd like to see how much of it was sort of. Once Paramount had got hold of it and re put mm. it together, how much was how much of those sort of decisions came later or how yeah. many were sort of in the original piece? Yeah. yeah. I bet you they know, went to town was, on was, the sound. Yeah. yeah. If it was quite a quiet piece, then I imagine why it was kind of like, well, a bit like watching someone's home movie that happens to be a bit scary isn't yeah. quite the same as watching a scary movie. Mm-hmm. Um, That's polished. But I but I still found I still found it quite bizarrely nothingy for 20 minutes mm-hmm. just i mean did i miss a door opening <laughs> when, <laughs> well, when yeah. does that door open because i look i remember looking down and i made a you know i wrote down 20 minutes in creaky door so <laughs> door was 20 minutes in yeah. 20 yeah. minutes of people I mean, going oh my god i'm an american doing an american thing <laughs> that was that was, was kind of how that it, 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 and I, and I don't think, again, compared to the host, um, one thing that I had on its side was amazing good actors. And I don't know if mm-hmm. these two, well, the material they were given, I wasn't that interested in listening to them mm-hmm. doing stuff. So it wasn't like it was entertaining with a bit of foreshadowing and then a creaky door. It was people who were kind of like white noise. And then, yeah. and then so I also didn't care what happened to them as much as of a people in horror movies i cared about katie i cared about katie i I think the reason but but in terms of in terms of creating creating a drama with characters yeah i thought they were so cookie cutter that and then they didn't have very much interesting stuff to say yeah yeah i I didn't think that the first 20 minutes were were basically dull there's no two ways about it well i think the first I 20 minutes. I don't think Dill has been, it's a it's a slow burn. Like I love mm. a slow burn horror movie, but mm. you know, the witch is one of my favourite movies of recent times, and that was off so many people, and I I love it. But I love a slow you know, burn start. Every movie from the beginning. Pardon. I, I love a slow burn start, and I feel that you've got to be building up to a point. You know, um, there's there's no point starting with a loud jump or something attention grabbing 
no, it's but much better we to can build. Go over Twenty minutes. But I agree. But the, the, <laughs> before the Greeky door in this film, it is basically like watching somebody else's home movies. And not even minutes. a bit that they'd even show people. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, I, I I don't think I want to hold that against it because I feel like that that might have been what they were after. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, well, no, it's a it's a creative decision, and I, th I I'd argue it was of its time. Mm. Because, yeah. like I said, we maybe got more used to just mindlessly watching other people being mindless. Yeah, the mm. mundane like, reality. Like we were, you know, all, I don't know about you, but I I never thought I'd be the sort of person to watch a live feed of Big Brother, but you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, went for a yeah. phase of it being on in the corner just because it was there, the technology was there. Yeah, just because. And it was like, wow, there's a live feed of people's bedrooms. And you weren't putting it on for purient reasons, you weren't putting it on because anything might happen. You're putting it on because it was on. Yeah. And, yeah. It, was and it was like, whoa, they've put cameras into the house and it's literally on 24 hours a day. And that weird green glow in the corner, wow, I feel like I'm in the future. It was that kind of were. thing going on, and it was so moronic. It was so and so so disturbing on so many levels. But I think it did get us used to watching paint dry. Yeah, a lot more like that. They literally watched paint dry on a Channel Five thing in the early two thousands. They had they had a competition where they were <laughs> where they were painting a wall, and then it literally was the paint was drying on the live feed. Oh God, do you remember when and people um, were watching it? Channel 4 did the one where the people had to stay awake the longest. Oh, they touched, well, touched the truck. It was like, yeah, it's for a car. Yeah, yeah, touched the truck. But they they were allowed to move around, though. Yeah, yeah, but you, they had, just had, to not, stay you awake. had to keep your hand on the truck. No, there's another one where they just had to stay awake, so maybe there wasn't a truck, but I remember oh, really? them doing, like... Um, oh, was that one where their bio, they had bio monitors on? To check the I don't know. They were just like, wandering around like a Big Brother setup, but just knackered. But, yeah. I remember touched. some guy coming in and doing Tai Chi with them. And I remember yeah. if they closed their eyes and started to nod off, a little counter would come on screen. And if they were gone for more than two minutes or something, then alarm would go yeah. off, like, right, you're out. But it's yeah, dangerous. They, they just stayed awake. It was like, I kept, yeah. and I kept watching it. But it was on every night, because obviously they can't stretch this out over 12 weeks. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's a handful of them, and they just, they just stayed awake. Lunatics, yeah. and we watched and people remember, be I tired. Watching, <laughs> I remember watching Touch the Truck as well, because I was grimly fascinated. Yeah. And it was right. just people touching the truck, like they're doing, like they have that, it's a regular competition in malls in America. Yes, it's a thing, they isn't have it? sort of live Touch the Truck, and they televised the Touch the Truck. It's yeah, mad. But I, you wouldn't watch, <laughs> I wouldn't watch it in a million years now, because there's a million other things to watch. But when you're having channels piped at you, yeah. yeah, sort of stuff that you watch because <laughs> there's nothing else on. But nowadays, in a pleasant way, this stuff reminds me of like it's the preserve of YouTube ASMR videos, isn't it? It's watch yeah. the Titanic sink in real time for two mm. hours and fall asleep, kind of thing. Things like Swedish and the Finnish, their slow TV stuff. That's great. Oh, yeah. Seeing that, it's just like a fire no. or the camera on the front of a husky dog sled as somebody goes about oh, their wow. day. They're I've heard beautiful. About it, yeah. Just yeah, BBC Four sometimes show them at Christmas. Yeah, BBC Four did the BBC Four did the British version where it was like the cameras on the front of a long uh, a barge going round yeah. canals in Yorkshire yeah. for two hours. Yeah. And yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Well, they're lovely. Uh, I suppose it's become this is it shifted to the idea that this is deliberately soothing. No, not not necessarily. Um, so just.
pulling it back to the film for a second, I'm still yeah. on the topic of footage. <laughs> I think it was it's really it kind of impressed me that the first paranormal activity film sets up a very specific rationale for the found footage and you never see anything beyond it. It's just Mika's one camera that he's expressly set up to capture that ghost mm -hmm. and there's no other reason for it. The situation changes in Paranormal Activity 2. I think in, in um, a found footage production you've got to make a choice at some point of how you justify the fact that it's being filmed or if you justify it. Mm -hmm. And it, it it can work or not work either way. Like the other week we discussed um, American Horror Story Roanoke, the second yeah. half of which is found footage. And that started to really do my head in because <laughs> they had to, because they had to keep justifying why people were filming it. And it's like, oh, some more characters come, but they're YouTubers and they're filming everything for YouTube and stuff like that. I'm like, well, I don't care. Um, and it, weirdly in Paranormal Activity 2, it's kind of the opposite approach, where they're just filming everything, you know, before any supernatural events have occurred. It's just kind of established that the dad films everything and the daughter films everything, and there's no explanation for it. And uh, and I, I kind of quite like that. I like the fact that they just went, yeah, whatever. We, they need to film it, otherwise there'd be no film. So, like, towards the end of Paranormal Activity 2, the, you know... The teenage daughter even films if she makes a significant phone call, she films herself doing it. And there's like yeah. no real reason. I don't no. know, teens do do that. Like, <laughs> and even preteens, like my daughter films herself doing like something really menial and she's like, What are you doing? I don't understand I don't understand you. <laughs> it's it does it does start to I, I think with paranormal activity too, they they kind of they kind of um, struggled their way to a premise, which was them needing to have the needing to CCTV, have security cameras. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost like maybe that needed to happen at the beginning a lot quicker. Well, but then they probably went, "Oh God!" And then we got them literally going to tell this whole movie from the point of view of security yeah. cameras. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, and then they go and they got confused. And it's like, well, actually, you know, people are filming constantly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was fine with it. I thought it worked. I mean, I I didn't enjoy Paranormal Activity 2 as much as the first one, but I thought it was fine. Um, I, in fact, I think the review that I agree with was uh, I read Roger Ebert's reviews of, of those two films, and he gave the first one three and a half stars out of four. Yeah. Oh, no. Or two and a half out of four. Anyway, it's still quite high. No, I think it was three and a half out of four. Oh, really? Wow. Again, okay. I think... But, I, again, I think with Bieber, he was in a really good screening room with a bunch of well-behaved critics. They call it the huddle as well. If, you, if we come out, and because critics are humans, they, they, they get into a huddle, and that's when the PRs come in, and they start standing, talking to people, and the people that are praising the movie, they make sure their voices are louder. Right, and, okay. Because if you say, what do you think of that? I thought it was utter shit. They don't talk to you and they go on to the next person and you feel a bit like, oh, well, well I suppose it was all right, but you're already <laughs> um, And so, they, yeah, they, they try and manipulate the huddle. It's just human behaviour. And before but, you know it, Zoolander's been slated by critics. Now we all go back going, why, why did that huddle? Why did we all end up hating Zoolander? 
And then we right. go, it was all wow. right, wasn't it? It wasn't like, it wasn't a two-star film. But I did think <laughs> what I love Zoolander. We all hated it. But I did think what was interesting, though, is that Roger Ebert's review of Paranormal Activity 2 dropped down to one and a half stars. And yeah. he really took the mickey out of it. But then at the end of the review, he says, look, I have no problem with Paranormal Activity 2. It does what it says it's going to do. And um, <laughs> I kind of felt the same way, really. There's loads of nits you could pick in it, but I, I still found it not too tedious, and it did scare me in a couple of places. Uh, I, it made me think I actually liked Paranormal Activity 2 more, but... <laughs> The enjoyment of that wasn't possible if you didn't watch Paranormal Activity 1. Because um, of the escalation. Because of the escalation. Yeah. And it kind of made me go, what you could probably have done is get those four hours of movie <laughs> mm. and, and make th- maybe make them maybe make them one movie. Um, yeah. or, or just accept that they're both flawed films and the story of it. I just... I just I got very bored of there being two people and then a bizarre friend in Paranormal Activity 1 with right. with the occasional appearance of a priest. I got very bored of the... I did right. get bored of how few people there were. And I liked the the, character, the actors in the second one were much sparkier. There was more going on. It was very cliched having the Mexican um, yeah. Yeah, maid be the superstitious one. But it also, had, you know, it also had, it also had a much better narrative um which i appreciated which for me drove me to being more scared it was the dad mm. suddenly being finally being yeah oh God, the moment when he when he's real. like oh shit and apologizing yeah. to martina that that had an emotional impact watching it but yeah, when, yeah. when he goes oh my god she was right that's yeah. a that's a piece of storytelling that works the first one was just one long middle pretty much mm. with a bit of escalation well, and and it's and its innovation was in its production, which they then took into number two, and they made more of the story. Um, doesn't quite line up because because well, uh, well I because uh, it, yeah well basically Paranormal Activity two is centered on the family of the sister of Katie yeah and yeah. and it introduces the idea that. Katie and her sister were both haunted as children, and therefore, yeah. and uh, and are so disturbed by it that when supernatural things happen to them as grown-ups, they don't really talk about it. Which is kind of put there to explain why Katie never mentioned even having a sister in Paranormal yeah. Activity One, who was being haunted at apparently the same time as the effect yeah. as the events of Paranormal Activity One. Yeah. But it is yeah. quite an interesting idea of these two sisters who've kind of been plagued throughout their lives by this demonic presence. And I do think that's what part three is going to go into. So I'd quite like to watch it. And I do, I remember it, when I was looking into, you know, reading up on the whole franchise before doing this, I was pleasantly surprised to think, actually, this these movies do feel like they're going to go somewhere. You know, yeah. it's almost as if, as soon as they'd made the first one. That was almost they, like a proof of concept movie. That yeah, and then they thought, well, we're effects. probably going to make three or four more of these because they've made so much money. So yeah. so it's mm. the second one kind of doesn't, it doesn't do just do what a lot of sequels do, which is just rehash the first one. 
and run out of ideas. It does sort of do that, but it also sets things up that can be developed elsewhere. Mm. Um, it has some. It has some repeated beats. I mean, it even has. Yeah. The, it has the repeated. It has the repeated information that you know. If you watch two of them close together, you're mm. going, "Why are they telling us that stuff about demons and humans again?" So yeah, it's yeah. the same dialogue. It's almost like you could probably not. You you could just not watch number one and watch well, number two quite happily. I mean, the, the reason why I think... even though it got slagged off, I think I think mm. it only got slagged off because of overfamiliarity. Well. Let's talk about that in a sec. But I, mean, I think the reason I, I slightly prefer Paranormal Activity 1 is that at least it does build up in a, a linear way to that big jump at the end, which they added on, which Paranormal Activity 2 doesn't really, because it's like they haven't got a big ending. The ending is he goes down into the cellar and looks around in the dark for a bit, but nothing really happens. And then they kind of re that they redo the ending of Paranormal Activity 1 again, which is Katie gets possessed and throws someone. Yeah, yeah. No, no, but, it's a bit, it's a bit samey. They, they, yeah, that whole, big, that whole big screaming around in the cellar, which is very Blair Witch. Like, what the hell is yeah. going on in there? Shaky, shaky, shaky. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think they were too chicken shit to kill the kid. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, but the, well, the kid gets led away at the end by the possessed Katie, yeah, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, so Katie therefore, that could go anywhere. Yeah. I don't no, know. You know, I'd be interested to watch the next film. I mean, would and I don't think they picked that up till Paranormal Activity Four because oh, Three yeah. is a prequel. So um, yeah. I'd be interested to see that, see what they do with it. And I think the the presence of the child there did. Just raise the stakes a bit, I guess, for the whole movie. And, yeah, um, yeah. And it had a introduced a scary grandmother, which they also didn't talk about very much. Oh, I've forgotten but about the scary grandmother. grandmother if, a gra if my grandmother sacrificed, like, made a deal with a demon to get to get. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Trying to work out, are they rich? Because that their house. They're not skin, are they? <laughs> for California, they're pretty normal houses, aren't they? Yeah, I don't know. I'd still, I'd still think think of myself as rich if I had a pool. <laughs> yeah, but well, I don't yeah. think you do in San Diego, do you? Yeah. Also, mm, what kind of crap plots, do you deal it? with the devil did you make? If you just got a condo. <laughs> 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 oh dear, yeah. that's interesting. But yeah, but yeah, there's, there's some of the throwaway lines. Um, but the the daughter in it was was like the standout actor. Yeah. Um, and she's gone on to do other stuff, hasn't she? As well as she's in um, Perry Mason on on Sky Atlantic. Oh, at is she? Okay. Doing good stuff. With Matthew um, Reese, right. Although I started watching Perry Mason last night and talking, talking of dead babies, there's oh, a dear. dead baby in the first five minutes, so it got turned off in our house. <laughs> <laughs> and it also oh, wow. looked, really fake. It looked really fake, like a sort of cheap Sin City, you know, like they'd filmed it in a warehouse with loads of green screen. Right. Because it's in the, set in the 30s. In the 30s. Yeah. But yeah, 1930s, they decided not to bother filming in real in the real world at all. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's, that's another thing. But um, but yeah, um, I, th I, I think there's, uh, there's, 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 there's lots of great stuff to say about it. But I think it, I think it's aged quite badly for its, for the time. I think there's a lot to write about and a lot to discuss about it because of the time it comes out of. 
But what's the next? I was about to say, what's the next found footage? But we know what that is. It's Zoom, and we yeah, um, yeah, for now, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... that was a that was a brilliant host. Host was just a brilliant. Like this is how it's not just how we're living, COVID or not. We're kind of going to be doing a lot more of this anyway. But I thought yeah. that was just brilliant in that it uh, it moved. It, it didn't just stay static over. Like they moved around with their cameras. The technology we've got now doesn't mean yeah. your computer screen is a big lump. Like yeah. your camera's not even on your shoulder now. It's you know you could have lots of different people doing lots of different things like they yeah. did in most. I mean that's I think the main thing that dates paranormal activity, isn't it? That it's a huge camera. That camera. And what and weirdly I'm sure it was huge and dated as a camera even at the time that that film was made. You know I think we were using more compact cameras than that when I was at uni. So, yeah. Um, well, it was a 2006. They made it as well. Yeah. So it didn't it didn't get released till 2009. So, but. I think, like we were saying before, I think one of the problems is the sort of whole why are they filming this? Like, do even now do people just sit there filming? Like, yes. that, well, I think you've always, you've always got to either go, get over that or you've got to decide that you're just not going to bother. Um, I mean, spoilers for our next episode, which is going to be about what we do in the shadows. Yeah. I think in the TV series of that, which is wonderful. I think there are lots of moments because it's supposedly a docudrama. Yeah. Uh, like a docu. So there's lots of moments where you think, there's nobody, why would they film this bit? Who's there? You know, um, and the, but who cares? Because it's funny, it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think sometimes it's acceptable just to go, yeah, whatever. If it's working, just go with it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But it's almost, it a, it's almost, yeah, I mean, because the American office went on for 10 years and it's like, well, they're going to bring this documentary out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah gee that's the most comprehensive workplace documentary ever produced yeah. <laughs> even in the Ricky Gervais version at least they had the moment when it had been released and he was like expecting people to recognise him in like the, <laughs> the Christmas specials Whereas, oh you know, gee I never saw those actually yeah yeah the no, they were Christmas they were, ones they were pretty good but yeah he was like oh yeah you recognise me yeah and they're like, no, what you? Oh, yeah, you're the bloke off airport. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was a uh, wow. Um, yeah, but no, oh, that, that, that's, not, that's not really the that's not really the main issue with them. Is you just have to, it's a conceit you sort of have to go with. Yeah, yeah. But, but you you have to do that with all horror or mm. films. So you know, if if we take the most annoying aspects of say the slasher. Mm. When they they're still in 2020, they still run upstairs. They still lock themselves, hide, yeah. and hide in a wardrobe, and it's like, but we're okay with that. And it's just, I think if you're if you're gonna sit down and watch a fan footage movie, you're either in with the fan footage, and it is gonna be this kind of camera work, and it's gonna look like this, and it's gonna be framed mm. in this way. You're either in it and you're up for it, or you're not. I think mm. it's kind of that same if if you. If you don't like found footage horror, if you find that the conceit is problematic or overdone or troublesome, then, you know, mm. watch it, I think. Rather than, I guess, um, I don't understand why people watch films that they know they're not going to like because they don't like similar ones that have come before, then watch it and then mm. take to social media and things and go, well, that was rubbish. Oh, yeah. Come on. If you don't think you're going to like it, 
leave it. You know, where's the horror film you've made? I don't see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, it's, uh, it's a good point. But it's, yeah, no, no, I, do, I, but I, I, don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind the fan footage. Um, but, uh, I mean, I would say that I think, I've, I think I, I haven't I think seen I mind many. If I, if, can I go first, Ian? Yeah. I, I mean, I'd say that I suspect there's a kind of prejudice against fan footage stuff mm -hmm. being so prevalent. But when I look at my own experience, I've seen a very small number of fan footage films. These two, Blair Witch, Wreck, and that might be it. And they were all great. Oh, Cloverfield, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, I like that too. So they were all yeah. great. I, it's just that I suppose there's a strong sense that I think they can't push this very far. I mean, host as well. I guess you'd say host is fan footage now. It's fan footage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hard drive. <laughs> and I, I love the idea Desktop of desktop being... horror is what it's who, kind who of clicked, Who clicked OK? Do you want to convert these files? <laughs> With my friend, friend of mine, um, Shelley McMurdo, she uh, she writes on fan footage horror and she sort of coined the phrase uh, desktop horror or then you've got social media horror with things like Unfriended. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can sort of categorise them further away from just the overall umbrella of, of fan footage if you want mm. to, but host would definitely go in the desktop horror slash fan yeah, yeah. footage arena. Yeah, and Unfriended was good as well. I loved that one. And the sequel to that one's probably better. I've not, oh, I've not seen it. The Again, Dark Web is good. Oh, is that the sequel? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and that's another one and that My Little Eye. My Little Eye yeah. is not. Is that oh, yeah, yeah. Eye, that's, yeah. That's an amazing film. Yeah. That was great. That's kind of ahead of its time. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it starts with the noise of a, of a dial up, dial up router. Ah, uh, dial up. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how old it is. When you hear that noise now, you go, ah, oh, but at the time it was, yeah. ah. <laughs> at the time it was like, ah, oh, well, at least I'm not waiting for The Hobbit to load on a set deck. But, um, ah, brilliant. But, uh, ah. Yeah, no, so, my, my Little Eye, My Little Eye is a brilliant film. Um, it is. And I, I remember brilliant. watching it when I was at uni, and it was at the time when we just didn't make horror films in Britain anymore. Yeah. I think it's probably, it might have even been... It might have even been before 28 Days Later. It, it was, was yeah. 2001, 2002 time. I didn't and was... this was a British film that had to pretend to be American. So therefore yeah. they had Canadian actors in it, which is how you pretend to be American when you're a British film. Yeah, so yeah. You get Canadian actors. Um, yeah. And, but I, no, I remember finding it chilling and really effective. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a brilliant film. Um, but Mark Evans directed that i mean that you should do yeah. an episode on it because uh it's talk about forgotten classics i really think that is uh you know it, it's i think i'm right it's all filmed from the webcams because yeah they're it's on all stuff, mini they're on a snuff site and yeah. and they don't know they're on a snuff site and it was and it's still chilling now mm -hmm. um and that there's, there's that brilliant bit where excuse the profanity where the guy who's turned up out of the, uh, they think has just turned up at the cabin, and then after he has sex with her, he very quietly says, "I told you I could fuck her," and you realise yeah, yeah. he's one of the rich people that set this, set this whole thing up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, maybe slightly off topic, but, uh, no, but yeah, no. but that, that to me is staying a lot more than paranormal activity. Yeah. Has. So, so Ian, you were talking about comparing Paranormal Activity to Blair Witch. So is there anything, mm -hmm. anything more you'd like to say about that? 
because we have we mentioned Blair Witch on here the other week because it's one of my most frightening films, and I think Stella, you agreed that it, yeah. you know you and Kirsty yeah. both agreed um, that it's it was so powerful. Um, yeah. So what I gives think, it the edge think, for you? Well, probably the things that people thought the minimalist aspect of paranormal activity, the fact that it's all in a house, and that's kind of one of its strengths, is it does make the domestic scary. But Blair Witch, on the other hand, taps into, you know, the gold, the Little Red Riding Hood, mm -hmm. primal fear of forests and witches, mm -hmm. um, which always work. <laughs> they do yeah. on me anyway. Scary I mean, woods. Yeah, scary, scary <laughs> yeah. woods and, and weird little pagan dollies hanging from trees. And so it's not, it's, again, it's, it's got genre, genre um, tropes. Um, which we're all familiar with, but it does it in a very new way, in that it has it has real people, and I think that's kind of what slasher movies half do anyway. Is they they have people that are just like us being chased by axe murderers, and it's a bit like what would you do? And the fact is, but <laughs> in slasher movies they do stuff we wouldn't do. Yeah, they would do that. <laughs> in Blair Witch Project, they do what we would do, which is get all snotty and scream and cry in a tent. Yeah, and, wig out. And and it also has, it also weaves in a brilliant story that yeah. you have to kind of be. And the fact that they don't chuck someone against the camera at the end, they have a they have a boy stand in a corner, and yeah. that gives me the heebie-jeebies even now. Yeah. The um, reason that is so effective is because they the set up to that. Yeah, like the I think a lot of people passing so about in the cinema probably yeah. did. But if you watch it really quietly and you tense and you get the bit about the corner, and then you see that's a brilliantly brave mm -hmm. ending. It's it's the opposite of throwing Mika at a camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, which yeah. works because because there's lots to be said for. There's lots to, they, they, they all use cinematic techniques. And one of the things that paranormal activity does is the timing, like with comedy, timing in horror is everything. Mm -hmm. You can, like you were saying about the gap they leave, it's not a clever edit or anything, it's timing between her scream yeah. and you going, I can't see what's happening. Yeah. And, then, and then you calm down. If yeah. they do it too quickly, it would have been, oh, is that the end of the movie? Is that it? Yeah, yeah, you'd have been left with the, so, so the timing, the timing is perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's made me think of another bit in my little eye where they're creeping around the house and I probably jumped more than anything in the cinema because they turn a tap on really loud in my little <laughs> eye. False jump. But the fact that you can be scared of anything, mm -hmm. you get the yeah. timing and the atmosphere right. My favourite false Something jump is at the start of 28 Days Later with the car alarm. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's got out of his home and he's mooching through London and it's he's not been mooching on his own for very long mm. and uh, there's a couple of cars in a in the middle of a junction and mm. he goes to try the car to see if he can you know get it drive it and a car alarm goes off and I saw that in the cinema and everyone was at least a foot off their chair and it was great. Yeah. <laughs> wow. yeah, yeah. really really good no. just due to a car alarm just I a car alarm good, I do love a good jump scare yeah. yeah, I watched <laughs> Slenderman the other day with my children, and uh, they were like twelve and eleven, so perfect age for uh, mm. Slenderman. And did it work? Seeing it through that, it made us all jump a lot. <laughs> it was, it was a, it, I wouldn't say it was the best film ever made, but there's something about Slenderman that's a scary-looking thing. But yeah, no, well, it's not a great, not a great hold, film, but it really worked. 
<laughs> Stower. I think well, you were going to mention... Hold, hold the thought on Slenderman. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that we'll, uh, we'll do an episode on that. Oh, we'll, yeah, yeah. Future. That film was one of Stella's recommendations the other week, but also we were talking about Marvel Hornets, weren't we? Which yeah. is Slenderman on YouTube. Yeah. That's um, that's really terrifying. So, oh, um, what a, is that like? A more of a that's a YouTube series that kind of involves the Slenderman figure. Yeah, it's basically a, a a very long series of short videos mm-hmm. um, yeah. that you have to watch in order, and they give you. There's not much. But, uh, the, the, it's not really character-led or anything, but there's text on no. the screen to give you context, and it's all supposed to be um, footage that was shot for a movie that was never completed, like a documentary, and just every mm-hmm. now and then the Slenderman appears in various ways. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's great in that it concentrates your attention, yeah, and, yeah. And, it, and, and therefore creates that paranormal activity-like effect where the smallest things have a huge power. And so yeah. it's just something appearing in the background of one shot or whatever. It's really, really well done. So yeah. I, I haven't watched the whole thing. I need to watch the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. And there's um, there's lots of stuff coming out of that. Like, we're talking on recommendations. Um, an audio, on the audio side, there's, mm-hmm. there's the left-right game. Um, yes, that was one of Kirsty's recommendations the other week. And I started oh, my God, it's good. It. So yeah. good. And I've only listened to movie. one episode. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So talk of proof of concept, but yeah, there. Uh, that is now option to be a movie. Okay. Because it stars. Oh, I can't remember Tessa her name. She's, yeah, from Westworld. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And um. Yeah. And but it's brilliant. I mean, that's one of the best audios. Um, right. Got some amazing stuff in it. But yeah, that's definitely a recommendation for. Well, before we that goes in your ears and not your eyes. I think time's coming up to, um, you know, the limit that we have today anyway. So before we, if we, shall we go into recommendations? Have yeah. either of you got final thoughts about paranormal activity you'd like to see or say, rather? I, it's made me want to watch three and four. Yeah, me too. Because, mm-hmm. because no matter how much they slagged off number two, I thought one and two were a better film than one by itself and two by itself, which is right. maybe... Good news for the people making money off them. Um, I'd say don't watch just one and don't watch just two. Watch one and two together. And then those that's now maybe, because I hadn't watched two till the other day for this, right. and that's made me want to watch more. So maybe that's good news for the franchise people. There's a whole right. bunch of people now be going, ooh, okay. I'll go and give three <laughs> and four and five a yeah, go. Me too. I, think I, I kind of want to find out what happens to... I don't know why it's called Toby with an eye, but apparently he is the worst name is, for a demon ever. Is that um, the, the demon's name, Toby with an eye? According to Wikipedia. No, okay, um, okay. I didn't, I didn't read that far. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, yeah, and it's made me want to see, because the idea of a boy in Katie, it's kind of does up the stakes. It's just her, she's never been seen again. Um, yeah. I don't know why they said that when there was the footage for number two. Had that not been found at that point? Oh, just after we found that footage and put that whole film together, we just found this footage. One day later. People. <laughs> Her sister. But anyway, um, but yeah, and then, then the idea of Katie and, and her nephew mm-hmm. 
being spooky and covered in blood and walking down the high high road highway. I'm intrigued. I don't want to see them again. <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed the third one's a prequel, to be honest. Although, well, well, watch well it. It sounds like three and four were made pretty much back to back by the same filmmakers. So yeah. I think yeah. there's a, an overall plan. Have you seen them, Stella? You sound quite knowledgeable. Yes, I have. Okay. I've seen, so, I've seen one, two, three, and four. Okay. So. Yeah. I hear that actually it's only six that's bad. I hear five's quite yeah, good. Yeah, that's well. what I hear as well. Um, so. so one of the students who I was supervising the dissertation for, and he was looking at paranormal activity, he was saying, you know, because I'd, I'd only seen one, two, three, and four, and he was like, watch five, then walk away. I was like, oh, I'll pay attention to what you say. Because, you know, when you have a student in your class and they're, they're just so incredibly knowledgeable. They've seen so many films. They teach so, you, yeah. Yeah, he was the one. I was always like, is it that director? Is it that guy? What is it? And he'd always just be like, boom, and he'd know. So when he said, leave six alone, I'm going to do what he says. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> it's a good one. Have you seen three and four then and you'd recommend? Yeah. No caveats. Yeah. Just no caveats. If you liked, I mean, if you liked I, one and two. Yeah. I suppose the only caveat I would give you is that I'm generally... I try not to dislike films because I always oh. think it's such a hard thing to do to get it made, to get it funded, mm. to do everything. So somebody's people have made this and they've worked hard. And if it's not my box of frogs, then it's not my box of frogs. Doesn't mean it's a bad film. Oh yeah, yeah. Not for me. So when I, any recommendation that comes out of my mouth, it's just me going, yeah, it's great. They've made a film. Yeah. <laughs> go, <laughs> go watch it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, if you did like one and two, then you'll enjoy uh -huh. three and four. If you didn't like one and two, probably don't bother. <laughs> the, the elements I liked of one and two, and more in two, I think was a little bit more story and yes. more interesting characters. And if yeah. they improve on those elements, Definitely. then I think I'll go and uh, have a go on three and four. Yeah, do it. Yeah, me too. So, <laughs> by the way, Stella, I think that your approach sounds quite the sameest. You know. <laughs> Just like things. Just like um, things. People have made it. If it's not for you, somebody else will watch it. Ultimately, negativity takes away more energy. I, I, there are things I don't like, but I don't like not liking them because it kills my soul just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't set out to dislike things. I think it's, I think it's very useful to see what straight to where you start going. What, where would you have put your pencil through the script? What would you have yeah. done differently? And you kind of know they're probably thinking that themselves because you look at how they did number two and they were thinking that themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's definitely, you can see the again, learning curve, I think. Yeah, in the two I mean, for, for paranormal activity on its own can be seen as, oh my God, you made a movie and you paid, you spent a thousand dollars on your two, act, two lead actors. <laughs> yeah. And you filmed it in your own house using tech you already had. Um, and you've made a massive Hollywood you know, global global franchise. So yeah. well done. Fair dues. Fair dues. Uh, you, you must have something going on. And then, given more time, it's been it's more. In, they've made it more interesting. Yeah. And they've built on it in a way that I approve of. So <laughs> yeah. You know the fact the fact that it, it just gets that little bit more complicated. Yeah. I think Paranormal Activity One is too simple, really. Mm. It's almost like as an exercise mm. Um, mm. for me. I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it again because it's so simple. I hadn't yeah. seen it for 14 years. Oh, no, yeah. 11, 11 years or whatever. Years. Yeah. yeah, 11 years. Um, 
and I hadn't felt the urge to watch it again, and I wouldn't have done if it hadn't been for this. And it was a bit like one once is enough. <laughs> um, that and that's not that's not a terrible thing to say about a movie. No, I mean, in a weird way, Blair Witch had a bit of that. I didn't watch that again for a long time, even though I really liked it. Whereas well, other basically, movies, I can watch it over and over again because they're complex pieces of drama. Yeah. Look, it's actually very difficult to make a film that is good enough for one viewing, isn't it? That is a significant yeah, yeah. achievement. And the movies where you go, that was great, I immediately want to, to watch it again. They mm -hmm. are very rare. Yeah. And yeah, the ones yeah. that are actually still good when you do watch them again, instead of actually, oh, no, that's actually not very good. That's even <laughs> rarer. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so I think if, if you enjoy a film once, then it passes the grave, really. But, um, yeah, but no, I don't think I'll go back to see it again. But I will go further in the series and watch the other three, four, yeah. five. I think, yeah, definitely mm -hmm. intrigued. Mm -hmm. Okay, guys, shall we move on to the recommendations for this week? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, Stella, do you want to go first? Because we've I already do. heard um, from Ian. I've only watched the first episode, and so far that was great. And that is Ares on Netflix, and it is a Dutch um, Netflix original drama, and it's a horror. Um, it's called Ares, spelled A-R-E-S. Okay. And the synopsis is, uh, an Amsterdam student joins a secret society that's been around since the Dutch Golden Age, but must decide how far she's willing to go to rise up the ranks. So it's a bit, um, I think it's going to be a bit culty. So obviously right. that's right up my street. Um, yeah, I only watched the first episode. It's got so far decent star ratings on all the things that I've looked at. And yeah, it's creepy and it's interesting. It's really beautifully made. So yeah, Ares on Netflix. Check it out. Okay, that's one that's new to me. Uh, Ian, do you have another recommendation besides the left-right game? Um, just, well, I, I just looked at what's on. I looked up, I always recommend Black Coat's Daughter. Which I don't know if you've heard of. That's the film directed by Anthony Perkins, his son Osberg. Yeah, Osgood, Osgood, Osgood Perkins. And okay. I'm always recommending that to people, especially with the, the warning that The Black Coat's Daughter is an amazing, amazing title, dripping with, dripping with uh, sort of mood and darkness. But it's not called that in this country, and they call is it, it? Bloody February. Bloody it's February. No, it's just called February. <laughs> oh, it's called February, right? Oh. It's called February. Sounds better. <laughs> yeah, it but, yeah, yeah. But I looked at February and Black Coast, Daughter, and it's fallen off Netflix, which is annoying. Oh. But I'd say it's worth spending money on. But Osgood Perkins's talk about a slow, slow burn. Um, I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Is another oh, right. of his movies that is. If you thought The Witch was slow probably don't watch it. Right, okay. So it's glacial and I found it terrifying. It's beautiful. Right. And it's, it's and and you'll go, why was he moaning about nothing happening in paranormal activity? <laughs> oh. All right, and then we'll come for you then. But um but it's uh it is a brilliant film and it's a it's a ghost story. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. And the opening right. shot is just her face for bloody ages. Okay. Really creepy music. I am intrigued it's by Alice Perkins. It's a masterpiece of uh, it's a masterpiece of scaring people right. in a really slow way. Oh, um, brilliant. But um, and so was Black Coat's Daughter, which is just fantastic and should and be watched by everybody. 
He made a new film last year, didn't he? Genuflecting Satanist in, uh, in, you know, when Satanists go really quick, backwards and forwards, when they're genuflecting. (laughs) Slightly possessed kind of way. There's a scene when she's seen doing that from a distance, and it makes me poo my pants every time. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but, um, yeah, it's good to to recommend modern movies anyway, because... Yeah, definitely. uh, Osgood Perkins is absolutely amazing. And, uh, I can't wait to see what he does next. It's always heartening to dig up some new stuff, which is he should be better than Ariaster. Well, he's he he did do his third film last year, didn't he? It was called Gretel and Hansel. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's out over here yet. yet. Yeah. No, I haven't seen it yet. I hear it's okay, but it's more yeah. of a, a kind of director for hire kind of job than his previous movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, those are, those are all good shouts, and I think I might spend some money on I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in Our House. Have I got well, that's that? On Netflix. Right? Good title. Oh, is it? Yeah, that, that's on Netflix. Right. Oh, Blackcoat's Daughter has just dropped off, which I don't know if that means it's popped onto Prime. But I have a feeling it might have been a Netflix movie. Last time yeah. I searched for Blackcoat's Daughter, it wasn't available free anywhere. No, no, it must have just dropped off. Probably because right. people keep recommending it. Right, so uh, <laughs> they decided to make some money. Okay, so oh well, um, that's great. Thank you, Ian. And uh, my recommendations for this week are both free if you've got Netflix or Amazon Prime. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, hey. uh, is on Netflix, and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is on Amazon Prime at the moment. So if you want to go oh, yeah. back and check out some old school films of some old school texts, then. <laughs> um, Highly recommended. Uh, Stella and Kirsty and myself have all talked about those movies before as being kind of key formative early horror is it, movies. Is yeah. it true that Dear Amanda Galas did the voice of Winona Ryder being possessed in Bram Stoker's Dracula? I don't know. Um, I seem to remember she was. Who's she? she oh, God, you should listen to... There's a recommendation. Listen to... On YouTube, go to Dear Amanda Galas, um, Unclean, and it's her... Tell I used to be a goth. Uh, it's her, <laughs> her uh, in her crazy voice, um, doing re- re- um, reciting Leviticus, um, which which says unclean every so often, <laughs> interspersed with interspersed with medieval um, satanic chanting. Um, right. That's kind of chanting, satanic it, language, yeah. and wow. it's genuinely it's genuinely unsettling. But um, when I was at university. We all took acid and put all the lights out and put the vinyl on, and we all ran screaming into the street because <laughs> it's genuinely satanic. Hey, it's not doing you any harm. <laughs> Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> but yeah, there's a recommendation, and I just looked at it up the other day, and it's on YouTube, so you could just listen to how amazing uh, Diamanda Canales's voice is. Right, I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. <laughs> Fantastic. I do remember that when I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula after several years, I think it was just on TV one night. It was on telly a couple of weeks ago. Oh, right. Well, I mean, yeah, I watched I'm, it again. I'm talking about like 10 years ago, oh, but right. I, I do watch it again. And I remember maybe because the sound was just better quality on the TV transmission than on my old VHS, there is a bit where. Winona Ryder, I think it's the bit where Winona Ryder almost drinks Dracula's blood. 
mm-hmm. uh, and then they rescue her. And I could hear that she, as they pulled her from the room, she was going, unclean, unclean, unclean. So maybe that's this person's voice that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, it might be. Um, maybe, yeah. I'll, I'll well, have to research we'll find that. Out. But oh, sure. the, I do remember knowing that the sound design on Bram Stoker's Dracula was by a guy called Leslie Schatz. <laughs> it's a great name for a very renowned Hollywood sound designer. And um, uh, and there's loads. I mean, if you listen to the soundtrack of that movie, there's just there's loads of weird layers of voices on yeah. top of the music. And I think some of the tracks on the soundtrack are actually just spooky voices. Excellent. There's no, no music going on. So they did obviously put a lot of effort into the, the soundtrack of that movie. Um, oh, cool. nice one. Well, I'll I'll hunt that person down, Ian, um, yeah. and I'll find out the truth of that, definitely. Well, thank you very much, folks. That's another episode of And Now the Podcast Starts. Um, thank you very much, Ian, for joining us and, and filling in for Kirsty and bringing a, a different voice to proceedings. That's been great fun. Thank you very much, Stella, for thank you. your erudite contribution, as always. Next week, folks, Kirsty will be back and we'll be discussing, as we've been wanting to for a while, what we do in the shadows. Yay! Oh. That should be a <laughs> lot TV of fun. Series. And the film. And the, film. And the short film that it was all started with. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. Um, we, we love all that. So yeah. that's going to be a very positive episode, I think. Yeah. So, well, thank you very much, Stella. Thank you very much, Ian. And yep. I will say farewell, listeners. We'll be back. Bye-bye. Bye bye. You have been listening to And Now the Podcast Starts. Produced and released by Ambidextrous Solutions Limited. Presented by TD Velasquez and Stella Gaynor. With special guest Ian Winterton. Special thanks to Greg Hume for our original theme music, and to Brian Gorman for our original artwork. All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages at and now Pod or at Lee Cushing Pod. Follow us on Twitter at and now Podcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash and now Podcast. And now the podcast stops. <laughs>